0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this
2: year NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and
1: never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, an
2: unmatched dual threat.
1: Listen up. All you ever ask for is an opportunity. You got it today. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? The
2: Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be
1: aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me.
3: Honestly, I'm still undecided, man. Uh, I got until tomorrow, but, you know, I I just wanted to come in and kind of see, like, how it was going to go, like, how the season was going to go as far as, like, moving around in the locker room, just how how is the day-to-day operation and uh, just talking it over with my old lady and just seeing what would be the best decision for for my kids, too, and and that playing a part in it and just trying to see how them being up here and not being being able to come to the games and move around and my kids being able to go to school and just being away from my family for such a long time without being able to do anything. So we just kind of just taking it down to the last day and we're going to decide from there. So I'm still kind of undecided. Honestly.
1: Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Trey White from his zoom interviews over at buffalobills.com talking about a pretty some pretty serious reservations chris
2: yeah well he ended up opting in but we'll get to that later folks we have a show
1: for you tonight We're, We're chris the world is losing its mind quarantine week 20 the world has officially gone mad No, I'm not talking about politics. I mean, that's always been an exercise in insanity. And no, I'm not talking about social issues. I'm talking about the return of friggin' Nickelback. Proof that 2020 is off the rails.
2: There was a birthday I had maybe in 13 or 14. Nickelback was playing on my birthday at Darien Lake. So Shannon and I went to Ohio to celebrate my birthday. <laughs> I didn't want to be in the same state as Nickelback. So I left. Chris, in your opinion, where
1: does this rank among the 10 plagues in the Old Testament?
2: Jesus. I mean, I you have know.
1: the death of firstborn children, locusts, pestilence. You've got some warts.
2: I have I have no idea.
1: Somewhere but, above warts, right?
2: Yeah. Nickel- like it's up there with some of the... Nickelback is garbage.
1: <laughs> Chris, look at this photo of their band that's circulating on Twitter. I want, I, want your in, I want your live reaction. This is 2020 Nickelback. When you look at that photo, what do you think?
2: It's very doctored.
1: It's not only doctored, but that doesn't look like a professional band. I mean, you have, this looks like someone who would be doing old 90s covers at the Transit Music Lounge. Yep. a couple miles from my house. So does Chad. Look, look, Chad Kroger's lost his long hair. He's got this feathered... Chris, it's almost like he's trying to cop your hairstyle. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have a mohawk. No. He's just got this feathered Ryan Seacrest, but not nonsense, no beard. Obviously, there's one obligatory guy in the band with a soul patch, because you're not a band from the 90s unless you have a soul patch.
2: Yeah, that move was implemented by uh, the Backstreet Boys.
1: And then the two obligatory guys who literally could be from stock photos of anywhere around the internet. That guy could be in dental ads. Yeah. He could be in a car commercial. Yep. Chris, this is an abomination. How? Nickelback. Is that what the nation needs right now?
2: I I don't need Nickelback in my life.
1: (laughs) No one who... Chris, but somehow they sold 50 million albums. So I, I guess don't. we can't get too angry because somebody is... Chris, someone is keeping them afloat and telling them that this is a good idea. Yeah. Whoever you are, I'll see you in hell. <sighs> Chris, let's just get let's get into this week's Bills News Update. The Buffalo Bills land
2: offensive guard Brian Winter... It's actually plural. It's Winters. Winter. Pfft. Winters. Brian Winters.
1: Yeah, well, he'll earn that S when I see him play some actual <laughs> football. During our camp preview show with Clayton Garrett of the Cold Front Report, we talked about the logjam jam that existed on the right side of the offensive line, Chris. And we kind of dug into the skill sets and pedigrees of the players involved. When you looked at it, though, Inseki, Ford, Darrell Williams, and uh Spencer Long,
2: who's no longer here,
1: we essentially came to the conclusion that one of those four players probably were on the outside looking in and would either be cut or traded. I just didn't realize it was going to happen before a single practice took place. I didn't. I mean, the Bills announced last week that they would be releasing offensive guard Spencer Long, followed by the announcement that they had reached a deal with the recently released Brian Winters of the New York Jets. Chris, you seemed at the time relatively pleased with the signing.
2: Yeah, I mean you can't hate it. I mean, we don't know when Feliciano's coming back. What October, sometime in October, and you know you kind of look at it in the sense of uh, you know like when Eric Wood went down, Ryan Groy was slightly serviceable as a center, right? So I kind of look at it in that sense. While it's he's not the best, he will do I think halfway decent in a pinch, which we'll need him for the first couple of weeks.
1: Your your ability to bring up bills that depress me is uncanny. We, Ryan Groy.
2: Should we talk about Chris Williams? Oh my god.
1: You do you I swear to god, do you commit do you commit these things to memory just to just to plague me? Probably to me.
2: I mean it's, <sighs> it's fun to do. Here's
1: my thoughts in a nutshell. First of all, I guess we should have seen this coming. I mean Spencer Long was never trusted by this staff to be an offensive center despite the fact that he had a, had tenure there with Washington. I mean, Chris, I was one of the first people to point out on Twitter, when Mitch Morse came out of a game last season, with time left in the fourth quarter, it was Feliciano who slid over to offensive center rather than put long in the game. Now, to me, if that doesn't say writing on the wall, I don't know what does. And I know we talked about him at the time being a very expensive backup, a luxury that a lot of teams wouldn't have prioritized the way Buffalo did. With that in mind, him leaving the roster, it didn't surprise me that he left. It's just the fact that there was such a lack of a trade market. I mean, Chris, could the Bills have not gotten something for him? I mean, think about this. He was employed for less than a, unemployed for less than a calendar week. Signing with the 49ers, what, two or three days ago?
2: I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah. That's how quick he found work. I swore a couple months ago, that the Eagles would be interested in one of the cast-offs from our roster. But instead, they decided to try out the corpse of Jason Peters for one last hurrah. I mean, Chris, if you're a team with a fragile quarterback like the Eagles...
2: Yeah, you want to protect him as best you can.
1: And yet, here they are, playing loose and fast with the offensive line. I mean, I, they, they can do what they want. I'm just surprised. Chris, were you shocked... I mean, I thought this was going to be one of those release-and-trade scenarios where we float the idea that we're releasing someone, and someone inevitably gives us a 6th or 7th round pick.
2: I had no idea that that had that happened. I didn't know he signed with the 49ers. I mean, he didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year. And like you said, we had a logjam.
1: He was know. a former starter, and you couldn't get anything for him. I mean, Beam Beam's better than that.
2: Yeah, right? he had, well, he is a contractual gangster well and
1: i guess that's where the signing of winters makes sense i mean for the money it certainly makes financial sense you offloaded a luxury at the position of backup right guard a guy you were never going to trust to put in the pivot and you used the savings you earned to land his replacement on a deal that doesn't leave you tied to him moving forward like long's deal did i mean if there's anywhere i'm going to applaud being here it's it's on that But when you look at Winters and who and what he is, I mean, he's a, I put air quotes around this, he's a fine signing. If your idea is to make him compete for the starting job. If you signed him to be your day one starter, I think that that illustrates that you think very little of the guys that you already put behind him.
2: Yeah, why do you think he came from the (laughs) Jets?
1: I reached out to Joe Blewett from the Turn on the Jets film room just to get his take on Winters. Joe, he's been on the podcast before over the course of the years that we've been... I mean, Chris, what, six years now? Five years? Five years. Joe's come on with us, and he's done a great job. Chris, sometimes he just railroads us. He'll waterboard you with analytics. Yeah. But when you watch his films, film breakdowns, he knows what he's talking about. So I reached out to him for his thoughts on Winters, and here's essentially what he gave me. He said he's... This is, these are direct quotes. A below average, but not terrible. Injuries the last few years have been Brutal. Which has taken some off of his play. Would say he is a below-average starter when he's healthy, who could start/slash spot start for your team. Shows really good snaps with athleticism or technique, and then on the very next rep gets bullied into the back, gets bullied back ten yards because his hands were late. He's inconsistent, really struggles versus power, but having what he had at center and right tackle next to him recently hasn't helped. Now, Chris, that doesn't strike you as a ringing endorsement, does it?
2: No, not if you're wanting him to be a full-time starter. It says right here, below average starter, when healthy, he can spot start, which is what we need him to do.
1: No, no, but you're talking about him starting half the season.
2: Chris. Eight to 12 weeks. Half the season. I'm sure Feliciano can come back sooner than that. He's a animal
1: so does that analysis concern you as the lay fan who's saying hey maybe winters can step in and be the guy
2: no not not really doesn't no he struggles
1: with power his inconsistent technique
2: no i mean if he has uh haven't we talked about on the show before like uh dawkins was not good with somebody at guard but when he had incognito he was better does that apply to being a guard if you're playing around a better tackle sure. and sure, a better no. center? I'm willing to hear some of that. It's I really. Two are. weeks in a row, I've been crushing it with these takes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I don't hate the move, but I think I'm a little more bearish on him than a lot of people now that I've had time to go back and look at what he's done on the field. I mean, this signing, Chris, it gives me the same feeling in the pit of my stomach as when we signed Russ Bodine after since he let him walk. Everybody in their fan base that we either talked to or that we read the fan pages and looked at what fans were saying about him, they were either nonplussed, like it just didn't move the needle that he was either here or gone, or were actively celebrating his departure. So with that in mind, this is... I know people want to be excited about it. And maybe with better coaching and better talent around him, Winters will be fine until Feliciano gets healthy and gets back into the lineup... Just in time for a playoff run. But just just today, nine-year NFL veteran Riley Reef was on Pro Football Talk talking about how, I and mean, this is a quote, we're one of the groups on a football field that really needs to get those live reps. Those are essential. Chris, you're talking about a guy who doesn't know our playbook. Yes, he'll have upgraded talent around him, but when he was left on his own on on arguably a terrible New York Jets offensive line, I don't think he lived up to his billing. And I don't want to get my hopes up. Chris, I'm actually over here in uncharacteristic fashion. I'm trying to keep a tempered expectation in regards to what the value of this signing is until I can see what he looks like once the preseason. Oh, Wait. We're not gonna get to see what he looks like in a preseason, can we, Chris? We're not gonna get that because there's no open training camp practices, and there's 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 no preseason games.
0: Everybody on, good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus. This,
1: Chris, this dynamic is why this whole thing is gonna all this training camp talk is gonna drive me nuts this month. There's no way to see some of the most important positions of the game play their trades in real time. We can't go sit in the sands at St. John Fisher and watch Cordy Glenn get his ankle stuck in the ground and rolled up on like we did the last time we went yep. to St. John Fisher. We're not, we're not going to be able to get as much in-depth reporting as we normally would in terms of who's taking reps where, who's working well with whom. What offensive linemen are giving up penetration compared to others? I, Chris, I, I swear to God, I'm taking everything in me not to frustration, drink my way through this entire month. <sighs> Chris, if there's anything that I can hang my hat on, maybe that, that might bring me back down to earth, it's the fact that football, even if I can't see it being played out for an entire month, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, as someone who, Chris, we like to sit here and drink and analyze this stuff. At least we know football is coming back. That in and of itself is a huge win, right? Yes, it is. And for those of you who prefer to watch it at home, you guys are in luck. Because Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFL Sunday... Because Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you'll get Red Zone and TV Fantasy Zone channels. Chris, you never have to miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription this year. Visit NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Chris, you've been coming to my house for years to watch Sunday football. Yeah. we I've had season tickets for almost a decade now. And yet I've held the Sunday ticket throughout the course of that. Why? Because I feel like when I'm at home, I want to see what's going on. If I can't be at the stadium, I want the bar experience, but I want it in the comfort of my own home. And I pay for it, and it's worth every penny to me. Every year I sign up for it. The fact that our listeners can get 15% off of this –
3: Wild.
2: Yeah, it is. What is also wild? DealDash.com. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction. But every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com. Use the offer code ROCKPILE. Or deal dot fm slash rockpile. That's d e a l d a s h dot fm slash rockpile.
1: And so with that, Chris, I want to talk about training camp because what well we can't see it, and there's not a whole lot being reported on. Week one, it was here. It's in the books. Players have finally reported for camp. There's so much happening behind the scenes. Stuff that we're not privy to. Stuff that even the journalists aren't privy to. Because of how limited the access is to these guys. I mean, this has to be... Chris, we're in uncharted territory for the NFL as a whole. Yeah. And given the social distancing guidelines, there's no more milling around the field conducting media scrums like there used to be at St. John Fisher. Chris, I'm proud to I'm proud to say I was a part of a couple of them. I got out on the field over at New Era. I was a part of some of those, some of them that I didn't know I wasn't supposed
2: to be Yep.
1: But hey, them's the breaks. That's how, hey, listen, you miss a whole, what is it, uh, Wayne Gretzky? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take?
2: Yes. Well,
1: many of the Bills' key players still took to Zoom over the last week to address the media. And while Sean McDermott proved to all of us that he's Chris, he's already in mid-season form when it comes to being walking ambient during his press conferences, there were still some interesting takeaways from the players themselves. And from some of our local media members. Uh, um, Oh's having in trouble
3: uh uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
3: It's the last
2: question too. Unmute. There Am I on? Go. There we go. Jesus Christ. All right. Got that figured out after 14 zoom calls. That's sailed Mariana from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. <laughs> Chris. Okay. First
1: of all. You know what? I love Sal. I know a lot of people don't. And I used to not like him. But one of the funniest things happened. I remember in a tweet, I called him a horse's ass. And he retweeted it and goes, gee, thanks. I agreed with his point. I was like, I think Sal's a horse's ass, but he's right.
0: Yeah. And he
1: goes, gee, thanks, guys. And it was one of the funniest things. Because I'm like, that's a guy. That's a-. And now I watch his social media interactions with people. And I realize he might rub a lot of people the wrong way. Great dude. But that was the sound. It wasn't dead air on our podcast. That was Sal Mariana struggling to get his unmute button on a Zoom call. Yeah. Chris, what can we take away from this? For me, it's that no matter how long you've been working at something, there's still plenty of opportunity to screw it up.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I for me, as it relates to doing the podcast, I hate that they're all on Zoom calls. And I'm... Wondering if all the zoom calls that they're doing for the media are from the facility because if you're at the facility, your audio should be a lot better than it sounds. <laughs> when I listen to all these player interviews for stuff on the show, it's their audio is garbage <laughs> It's Here's like Chris it, being an audio snob yeah if if oh. you're in the facility, like they have studios there. Give the player a mic. Make it sound
1: better. All right, all right, so what should they hire you? Should they bring you in as a sound engineer?
2: Probably. Sale sounded better than the players did.
1: <laughs> now, a big shout out to Sale because honestly, like missing that, Chris, we did a Zoom call earlier tonight. And we botched the hell out of that right out of the gate. Yes. It's easy to do. Which is hysterical to me, but it's going to happen and it's going to keep happening. Sale just happened to be the most comical. That was from his interview with uh, Matt Milano over at BuffaloBills.com. You guys can go check out the whole thing there because Matt had a- his question was actually really a really good one and they ended the segment on it. I urge you go check it out. Chris, I give Sale credit for pushing through that because, Chris, you know me and my lack of patience. Yes. If I found out that I was muted and I couldn't figure out how to get it off, I would just abort the call. They'd be like, well, Sal was our last question. Uh, Drew, Drew was our last question of the night. Yeah. He's waving. Oh no, now he's got his chair up. He threw his chair. Now the computer's on the ground. We can't see anything. We still can't hear anything. Up, the feed went dead.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sounds, sounds about right. Or like, even doing, doing this podcast when you, have something that you want to say, you'll <laughs> lean away from the microphone and tell it to me when I just say it into the microphone. I can cut it out. And we're not live.
1: It's hilarious to me, and it was just one of the highlights, Chris, of this whole process. Another one of the things that struck me when you listen to all of them, from Dion Dawkins to Josh Allen to Matt Milano, to all of the players, Devin Singletary, all of the guys who have been talked to from different age brackets, different experience brackets in the NFL. One of the common threads throughout all the conversations when they got asked, multiple players echoed a sentiment that they were confident in the way things were laid out. The preparation and the safety precautions put in place. The fact that the Pagulas seem to have gone above and beyond for this team to really provide what felt like a safe and sanitized environment. I mean, Chris, Josh Allen mentioned a proximity beeper that every player has to wear when they're in the facility that beeps to remind you to stay six feet away from each other. That's genius!
2: Yeah. Why isn't everyone doing that? Because they don't want to listen. <laughs> I would be one of those people. He Well, Chris, you wish you could stay...
1: 550 feet away from everybody all the time yes you hate the fact that i'm here now
2: yes i can't wait for you to leave
1: (laughs) he also talked about how healthy teams are going to win more games and that they as a team hit josh allen himself had talked about how they essentially made commitments to each other to make the right decisions away from the field now chris we can both speak to that i offered to Reed Ferguson just moved into his house and I told him, I texted him and I said, listen, we need to throw you a proper welcome home party. When can I go pick up some USDA prime ribeye steaks, throw them on your grill and teach you how to sear up some beef? I mean, Chris, he's a decade younger than us. Yes. I'd like to think I know a thing or two about this is a guy who doesn't cook for himself. He eats the facility all the
2: time. Yeah, I would come to you uh, for knowledge on uh, smoking meat, grilling meat, and then... uh, I think you have great opinions on above-ground pools.
1: <laughs> I know that's a white trash reference, and I'm going to take it and run with it. With that said, Reed, Reed was pretty straightforward. He said, look, guys, we'd, I'd love to hang out with you, but you got to go get tested first. Go get tested for COVID, and we can hang out. And, Chris, I don't think it's a bridge too far. I don't. I'm going this week. Just because... And Chris, but I think that underscores this idea that these guys really are from top to bottom. The long snapper for an NFL football team is telling people, look, I can't talk to you. You can't come over to my house. You can't. We can't hang out. Have a beer on my patio unless you've been tested. And I know that it's safe for me because I don't want to jeopardize my teammates.
2: Well, I think That's buy-in. I think Reed doesn't want to hang out with you because he doesn't want to look at you. <laughs> You're ugly.
1: Well, listen, the ribeyes... Eh, it's a bargaining chip, sir. Either way, the fact remains is that that right there is proof that everyone, from top to bottom on this roster, is taking this seriously. Now, there were some other things that I found highly interesting. One of them, John Brown, he had some stuff to
3: say about this year's rookies that we found highly interesting. Oh, those two rookies, um, you no, know, they one of the um, they the two best that I've seen so far since I've been in the league. Those guys know the playbook better than any other veterans right now. So and you know, they and you know, Gabe Davis, he played different positions. He know every spot, he know every alert, hot read, and you know, he's gonna be a big help to the puzzle. So with those guys, it's amazing because they even out there to help me. No, we like you didn't hear me like they helping us. <laughs> they 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 got this stuff down packed. Gotcha. Like I I never seen before. They have it down packed we asking them all the questions, you know, they know everything. Like these kids are smart. Like they came in and, you know, the first week they got the playbook they knew everything. Like, and it, it amazed me how fast they're moving.
2: That is John Brown from his zoom meeting press conference over at buffalobills.com.
1: Now in our podcast with Nate Geary, a little over a month ago, we talked about the wide receiver group as a whole and how given the nature of the off season, Both of us thought that it would be somewhat difficult for either of them to push for a spot on the final 53 back when we thought it was going to be a final 53, given the makeup of the wide receiver group. I mean, Chris, the talent is so deep there now. We have the third most expensive wide receiver group in the NFL. There's talk of McKenzie, last year's number
2: wide receiver three, being cut. I would have put him in Spencer Long's suitcase and sent him (laughs) out of here.
1: I know you don't like him.
2: No, I don't.
1: But so the biggest hurdle, especially for wide receivers, I mean, Chris, Demarius Thomas had one of the longest ramp-up times to the NFL of any player I saw. But once he hit his peak, he was dominant. Wide receiver is a tough position, and one of the biggest hurdles is always going to be that time to grasp the playbook and just how an NFL offense wants to operate. But this, I mean, Chris, what does this information do to change things in your mind?
2: Uh, I guess uh, that Nate Geary could be right about uh, his—I forget which rookie he was high on. Hodgins. Hodgins? Yeah. Maybe I should listen to Nate Geary a little bit more. (laughs) That's what it taught me.
1: Does the the idea that these players—I mean, Chris, a lot of people, if it was coming from Isaiah McKenzie, or if it was coming from, say, say, Robert Foster or Duke Williams— If it was one of those players saying, hey, these rookies know more of the playbook than I do, would it mean as much as it does coming from an NFL veteran, last year's only 1,000-yard wide receiver on the team, and the guy who was responsible for 19% of all of our first downs?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think John Brown carries more weight saying that than the other guys. He's a veteran. He, He sees more snaps.
1: Does that make you as kind of the lay fan? Does that make you more interested in this wide receiver competition as camp ramps up? It does. There's so much to unpack there. I I guess I've always gone into this, Chris, thinking of Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins as an afterthought. I'll admit that.
2: I never thought of them as an afterthought, but I, to me, they were. But I would see them them get like we've tweeted out the the graphic before. of You know, McDermott and the rookie snap counts, you know, I didn't expect them to see or I still don't expect them to see much time on the field with the offense. Maybe if one of them adapts to doing special teams, but their snaps are going to be low to start.
1: Absolutely. But hearing that they know the playbook better than some of the guys who have been here, that Chris and maybe that's lip service. And if so, damn you, John Brown. But I don't think he would just... I don't think he would say that unless he genuinely believed it. And that makes me wonder if I shouldn't be uh, regretting my bet with Nate Geary that Isaiah Hodgins makes the final 53.
2: Well, we got plenty of Seagrams to drink. (laughs) What, 73 of them? Uh, Maybe 71.
1: Okay, I'm close. Another interview that I thought really bore fruit. I mean, guys, these interviews a lot of what they'll talk about is boilerplate. Chris, Sean McDermott does it all the time. You could pick out five things that you know Sean McDermott is going to say before every press conference. We could almost play Sean McDermott press conference bingo. In fact, I'm going to go on record and say that when the season starts, we as the Rockpile Report are going to have Sean McDermott press conference bingo. We're going to be giving away t-shirts, koozies, the whole nine. It's going to be fun. Wow. All right. Yeah, because the man is incredibly predictable. And a lot of press conferences go that way, which is why a lot of people just, Chris, how many people actually tuned into these things live as they were happening? Not A few hundred out of the couple hundred thousand Bills fans around the world a few hundred tuned in live, it's because there's nothing groundbreaking being said for the most part. Here's Josh Norman talking about what attracted him to Buffalo and just his
3: feelings about the team. I mean, it's attack-oriented. It's a crest. Mindset, like I said earlier. I mean, Big boys coming off the ball, linebackers playing downhill. TV's breaking on it, you know? It's just boys running sideline to sideline, hustling, getting after it. You know what that looks like. You know what that feels like. You know, there's a lot of teams out there in the league that you know do things the right way. And I had those conversations when you know my time ended in Washington. And, you know I was looking around and seeing where it was be a best fit. And for me, it's just not about you know the numbers and the money and all this other stuff. We did all that. It's about getting that championship. Nothing more. Nothing less. Is gonna spice me. Um, this is time. My year that it's, it's, it's all or um, none. And this is a team that I feel like to do that and get over that hump. Uh, that mindset, I got to go back to it on defense. Starts there. Defense win championships. No matter where you go, we've got a real stop front out here.
2: That's Josh Norman from his Zoom press conference over at buffalobills.com.
1: Now, I know that no one out there is shocked to hear Norman say he's happy to be in Buffalo. But for my taste, I found the context of what he had to say here interesting. First of all, Norman is correct in the sense that his services would have... Chris, he could have gone anywhere in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, not everywhere, mind you. There's plenty of rebuilding teams who just don't see value in bringing in an older cornerback. Who may have had a questionable skill set for their scheme. But let's not act like a former All-Pro would be out of work very long. I mean... Hell, Spencer Long was a backup last year, and he got hired in under a week. Josh Norman could have signed a dozen places. So with that in mind, it's refreshing to see someone in that position look around the NFL and say that despite other offers and other competitive teams that they knew were out there, the bill struck him. Chris, obviously Sean McDermott. I'll admit this. Sean McDermott plays a role in this.
2: I think it plays a huge role.
1: As a place he would want to be knowing how little respect we get nationally for being, well, Buffalo. I mean, think about it. Think about how much shade gets thrown around the NFL about Buffalo from people who've never played here before. Jalen Ramsey and his comments to Trey White during that uh, cornerback roundtable that they did, where Trey White's picture didn't make it on the moniker for it. It didn't make the graphic. And Jalen Ramsey told Trey White, well, if you want to get more shine, you got to play somewhere other than Buffalo. <laughs> Chris, this is a, we can't pretend like that's a dynamic that doesn't exist. Even players who love the area routinely admit that there's not much to do here. That's happened over the years. I mean, you get the guys like Marshawn Lynch who got here, found out there was nothing to do, and just found their way into trouble. And just eventually the malaise that it caused, just they wanted nothing but out. And the second they got out, they got back to being the football players that they could be.
2: Yeah, Lynch got real bored with Applebee's.
1: Meanwhile, real you've got a guy in Josh Norman who's saying, I don't care about any of the Buffalo stuff. I look at this football team and I say, that's a team that I want to be on. How refreshing is that?
2: Uh, <laughs> Shave your head. Uh, it's means nothing to me. Okay. I just know he's here because he he did great in Carolina under McDermott, gets paid going to Washington, and does not live up to his contract. So he wants to get back to being the player that he was in Carolina. So why wouldn't you just go where your old defensive coordinator is?
1: It's a little more complicated than that, Chris, but I wouldn't expect a layperson like you to know that. Chris, he talks about how... (laughs) I mean, you're talking about a former All-Pro referring to Buffalo as a place he thought he could contend for a title. And you hear him talk about how he's not chasing a check. He's done that. He's not worried about money. It's, It's bigger than that. Here's what I'll say. He, first of all, accurately identifies the fact that our defensive back group is easily tops at what it does in the NFL. And he knows firsthand what it looks like To be on both sides of that glass. Now, 2012, Chris, you say, hey, he played for a good team and he wants to go back there because it helped him be successful. That doesn't tell the whole story. In 2012 to 2014, the Carolina defenses, they were middle of the road. They were average in terms of pass defense. And Josh Norman was struggling to try to hold things together there. In 2015, they finally put the whole thing together And they were incredible. They finally had linebackers. Hey, Chris, follow me here. Linebackers that could both come downhill and plug the run, but also get out and cover in space.
2: Thomas Davis and Luke Keekly.
1: They had safeties that were versatile. Could switch roles, could play various roles, could drop down in the box, but had athleticism to move around the field, and they had a coach that a defensive coordinator who knew how to utilize. Does it sound familiar?
2: Sounds like Buffalo.
1: They rode that team to a Super Bowl in 2015. And Josh Norman was an all-pro. And then he signed a free agent contract with Washington. 2016 to 2019, his career pretty much stagnated behind an unfamiliar system and an overall poor roster in Washington. I mean, Chris, when's the last time any good football got played in Washington?
2: 1991.
1: Okay, so you're talking about a guy who's tasted great defenses. He's witnessed what they're capable of propelling a team to. And he's also wasted years of his career playing on bad ones. I mean, in his eight years, he's learned to tell the difference between the two. And it's nice seeing Buffalo fall on this side of the ledger in that regard. Doesn't that carry some weight with you? Or are you just so jaded that you just assume this is lip service?
2: It's lip. It's all lip service.
1: Okay. I thought you would say that, which is why I brought this. I'll say this about Josh Norman. That year, 2015, when they went to the Super Bowl, it was his best year ever. He was a a few Cam Newton turnovers away from actually touching the Lombardi Trophy. That Super Bowl against the Broncos, there's a couple things I'll remember about that game for the rest of my life. First of all, Mike Carey, referee turned officiating expert, blew two calls. Chris, you know how they used to do cutaways? Yep. They'd cut away to Mike Carey and go, whoa, whoa, what's the the call going to be, officiating expert? And he said, well, both of them were rulings on what was and wasn't a catch. And everything he said was wrong. And after he blew the two of them, they yanked him off the air mid-broadcast and we didn't see Mike Carey again. And then he got fired as soon as the game was over. Which, to me, is hilarious and further proof that even guys who have spent years being officials still don't know what the hell a catch is in the NFL. I also enjoyed Cam Newton storming out of the post-game press conferences because he felt disrespected. Because he could hear people laughing and joking in the other room. Chris, Chris, Is Cam Newton the most butthurt quarterback in football?
2: Yeah, he is. I'd be butthurt, too, if I enjoyed wearing a romper.
1: (laughs) That's about right.
2: Yeah. We should
1: have seen, Chris, right then and there, we should have seen the romper thing coming. I mean, good luck to that guy. Chris, hey, he's a competitor. Maybe he'll be fine. He's going to a real understanding place up there in Boston. You know how they like diversity and... They, they, they just
2: really embrace things that don't win. Yeah, they accept people that wear rompers, top hats, and monocles. Told you.
1: It's like Johnny Depp. It's like Johnny Depp, the Hamburglar, and the Monopoly man had a love child. <laughs> but the other thing I'll always take away from that Super Bowl... In the waning minutes of it, obviously the Broncos have, they, they, they get that fumble, they, they run it down there, they punch a, a running touchdown in. They're going to run away with this game. And everyone knows it. there's no time left for the Panthers to mount a comeback. And on national television, there's Josh Norman in full tears. Chris bawling on the sidelines, knowing that there was a camera in his face, knowing how it was probably going to be perceived just showing the unbridled emotion on the sidelines letting the waterworks just flow I'll never forget him just crying openly on the sidelines like that I mean and this wasn't Chris Bosh sitting on (laughs) for those of you who follow basketball this wasn't Chris Bosh moping in the hallway this was a grown man walking around on the sidelines heartbroken you saw it and I've been thinking about that moment ever since he signed here That's how badly this guy wants to win, Chris. He was going to be a free agent the next year. So his concern in that moment wasn't about his stock. It wasn't about how the game was going to affect his future pay. He was heartbroken over the fact that he came that close to glory. Eternal glory. Super Bowl championship. No one can take that away from you. And he missed out on it. So when I hear him speak in that clip, I'm reminded of that moment. If a guy that passionate about winning a title, who just learned the same way former Buffalo Bill Peerless Price learned decades ago, that sometimes cashing the fattest check possible comes with a price of its own, if that guy is genuinely excited to be a part of this Bill's team, Chris, maybe we really are on the cusp of something
2: special. Cool, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, I want to shave that mohawk right off the top of your head.
1: Those hopes almost took a blow last week when Trey White said during his own Zoom presser, as you heard in the intro, that he was undecided on whether or not he'd play in 2020. Now, Chris, I have a lot of thoughts on just even that small clip that you played to open the show. Strap up, people. I'm coming at some of you. I've got thoughts on it. Obviously, as a fan of the team, I'm concerned what losing Trey White would have done for us schematically. I mean, Trey is our best cover corner. Even some of the most physical wide receivers. Chris, who are the people that he's been beaten by? A.J. Green? A.J. Green. Okay. A.J. Green, who's a physical freak. Plus, I believe that was his rookie year. It was when he was a rookie. So, who else? Uh, That's... He pretty much shut down Odell Beckham Jr., who everyone seems to have a hard-on for. And more and more, I'm thinking, is just, I don't know. Garbage. He's not garbage, but he's not elite. A horse's ass.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, Trey White's shut down pretty much everybody he's gone up against, Mm. with the exception of A.J. Green. He's one of the top corners in the league.
1: Even some of those physical wide receivers have had a hard time pushing him off when he's in their hip pocket. And his off-ball coverage is incredible. Specifically in this scheme where he knows the safety coverage is so good that he can take liberties. With him on the field, we have the ability to just blanket opponents. Chris, Trey takes away their top target. well our linebackers and safeties just work in tandem to create these blank spots? I mean, We can call them no-fly zones. Just windows that are too tight to attempt to pass into. Even elite quarterbacks have struggled, Chris, against our defense. And it's because... I mean, think about this. The Spartan phalanx. Individually, the talents are good. But when they all work in concert under a coach like Sean McDermott, who played in the secondary, so he knows what it's supposed to look like back there. They're, they're incredible. And if you add a player with White's cover abilities into that mix... That's how you become elite. Losing white would have put an incredible amount of pressure on our safeties. as They'd now just have to provide more help to the boundaries and over the top. And it would leave us vulnerable in the seams where right now, Chris, when's the last tight end you saw have a big game? Do you remember the days of Gronk just tearing our defense apart? All of the time. When's the last time any wide receiver beat us in the seams? Yeah, you can't even think about it.
2: Yeah, because I can't picture wide receivers running in a seam.
1: Gronk was so angry about his... Oh, yeah. (laughs)
2: Think about that. Macho man elbow drop.
1: He literally elbow dropped Trey White because he got shut down in the seam, and he was just so frustrated he physically lashed out at one of our players. That's the mark of a great secondary. Losing White would have been a huge blow to that. Now, in that regard, I'm back. I'm glad he's back. (sighs) I'd also like to take a second and recognize the fact that I would call anybody who has a family and who didn't at least take time to consider the risks of putting themselves, and maybe even more importantly, their immediate families, in danger. If and when there's alternatives available. Chris, I'd call that guy an asshole. Yeah, I'd say you're incredibly short-sighted. I'd say that what you're doing, you would have to t- Chris, if you had told me, "Hey, I'm going to go work in an environment where I'm going to be in close contact with people all of the time." And I have a wife and kids and I have a family, and if I asked you, "Hey, do you have any reservations?" you said, Pfft, "No." I mean, yeah. Chris, think about it. No wife, no kids. You personally, you barely come into contact with people on a daily basis outside of your coworkers. And you enjoy that. Yeah. Okay. So when you've said things on previous podcasts about your gung-ho attitude in terms of signing any waiver that's put in front of you to go to a game.
2: Yeah, I'll sign it. You got one? I'll sign it right now.
1: Okay. That comes from a place of you are the only person you're responsible for, right? Correct. Okay. Now, myself, I have a wife. I have a kid at home. I have to think about them. And in some cases, I think maybe I've been a little too cautious. I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, my pregnant wife started calling me the warden, probably around May, because I wouldn't let her go anywhere. I wouldn't let her leave the house. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm being for the Chris. I can already see it now. People can be like, "Oh, well, oh, misogynist." No, what it was was it's yeah, not t-
2: misogynist that that, that you. Handcuff your wife to the railing <laughs> the stairs. <laughs> that never
1: happened. That's a lie. He's fabricating this. If she needed something from outside the house, I'd be the one to go. That was the, that was the mandate. The groceries. Uh, Chris, if she needed an errand run, she needed something dropped off at a friend's house, I'd go do it. She needed something from the grocery store. Chris, the grocery store. I took over grocery shopping for our family.
2: I would hate that. Chris. What do you know about me? I know that you don't know how to read. Okay.
1: Okay. So I struggle to read in pressure situations, and I don't have a lot of patience. Can can you agree on both of those? Yes. Okay. Those two things combined make me a a highly volatile individual to have inside of a grocery store. I have no patience for people, and my natural hostility in those tense environments... Make me the last person who needs to be in a grocery store. But I did it because I don't care about myself. I wanted to protect her and my soon-to-be-born son. Anyone in that situation would be crazy not to at least weigh their options. And I think it's incredibly candid of Trey to admit that it was something on his mind. Knowing that there was an opportunity there for him to make sure his wife and his sons were safe. And still keep his lights on. So keep food in his refrigerator. He didn't have to admit that, Chris. He couldn't have said anything. He could have said nothing. He could have just opted out, like a lot of players did. Yeah, he Chris could have done that. What was the final count? Sixty-six. I think it was like seventy. Doesn't seem like much, but there was a lot of starters wrapped up in there. Like we said, guys who had made their money, or guys who were just worried. Look, I have kids. Look, I'm in an I'm in an at-risk state. <sighs> Knowing that there was an opportunity there for him to make sure his wife and his kids were safe and just provide for them still, especially knowing how much he means to this team, I give him a lot of credit for doing so. I mean, Chris, you know, there was a lot of pressure on Trey White to make a decision. Yeah. He knew that these guys kind of depended on him.
2: Yeah, he had a lot to, uh, to, to factor in. He's coming into the last year of his contract. He's also, you know, weighing the family life.
1: I mean, I think it's notable given that professional football players aren't traditionally supposed to be seen as anything but gladiators and competitors. Yet he decided to take a minute and be vulnerable and talk about it publicly. Yeah. Two days after his Zoom presser, Trey went to Twitter to express his dismay over the fact that, quote unquote, I'm going to put this in quotes, fans just the way that they've treated him on social media. I'm going to read it, Chris. From Takeaway Trey on Twitter. Crazy that me choosing my family's well-being over a game comes with so-called fans attacking me and questioning me, saying I'm selfish. No, you guys are selfish for thinking that football is bigger than life. Oh, by the way, my girl's grandfather passed away from COVID. You understand now? Chris? Yes. Okay. We're dealing with something. This is unprecedented. Yeah. And when people read his tweet, I remember at first, I'm like, okay, how many people really came at, came at him? Now, I'll say this. I'm going to give you guys 10 seconds. If you guys... <laughs> Chris, we try to be a positive podcast.
2: Yeah, most of the time.
1: Okay. I'm going to give people listening 10 seconds. If you want to, you want to stay positive. You want messages of hope. Fast forward to the end of the show because I'm about to go off, and I don't want you to be wrapped up in this. I don't want you to hate me.
2: See, I, mean, I, I feel Chris, like
1: here's the part where if you're a sense, if you're sensitive to the cop topic of COVID-19, or if you're just a bitter, jealous person, I think you should skip ahead to the end of the podcast. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Of elevator music to decide what you want to do.
2: I gotta tell you right now, I kind of feel like from Super Troopers, Arcot Ramathorn, Easy Rod. Easy, Rod. Easy, <laughs> easy. Oh, no.
1: It's listen. If you, you've Chris, how many seconds?
2: Yeah, it's past 10 seconds. There
1: we go. It's go time. All right. For people who said that it didn't happen, I saw people saying, well, you know, you're being a little sensitive. No one really came at you. It took me less than 30 seconds to drum up some really shitty examples. Okay. From some guy at Bills Mafia Goon on Twitter. Imagine if the regular guy working 9 to 5 had the ability to just opt out of work. Y'all are acting privileged, entitled, and quite frankly, ignorant. My grandma passed away from COVID this April, but I'm still getting up every morning to serve my family, country, and neighbor. At the KLB1. Too bad I don't get that choice. I have what you call bills, kids to feed, and put through college. I don't get to social distance or choose not to go to work. So sick of all these spoiled athletes, all in caps. At Fitters 34 move to Cuba. They have an awesome no-work society. Really close, too. Now, I can sit here. Chris, I have like five more examples in here, but I'm so angry. I, I, I can sit here and verbally undress people who think this way. Chris, I thought about it. I thought about going at each and every one of these ideas. You people doubt my pettiness, I used to work for a bank finding and either negotiating repayment for or tracking down and repossessing vehicles, and I was damn good at it. I have no emotion. I'm, I'm, I'll be dead inside when it comes to people who I
2: feel are in the wrong. Well, you have done this before on Twitter. Oh, I had, yeah. I burned our yeah. account down how many times? Well, I, I, I specifically remember sending you a screenshot of Nate Geary's Twitter that he was in a Twitter war with somebody And then you went back like seven months on this guy's handle to make fun of him. And
1: by the end of it, didn't he agree with me?
2: Probably. He
1: agreed and then followed us and then stopped talking because he just wanted me to go away. Look, ultimately, I don't want to do that. I could berate these people to death. But at this point, Chris, we want hope. We want positivity. Not me beating a a horse that other people have had a week to tee off on. I just want to start this with a question. Who the f do you people think you are? I mean, think about this. You these players are people. Okay? This isn't men. They're player, they're people with lives and feelings, their own hopes and aspirations beyond the game of football. Chris, if you can't understand that dynamic. Then maybe this sport isn't for you. Yeah, I mean, we're friends with a football player. Yes, I grew up around football players. That's why I'm nonplussed by them now. My father was somehow, some way, friends with a couple, with a handful of football players. And as I got to know them and meet more of them, I just realized as a kid, like these are just they're just people. And in that way, I mean, Chris, I think people get so enamored with fantasy football and madden and the glitz and the glamour and the i think they forget that
2: is that fair yeah you're all worked up you need another beer i'm just i'm pissed
1: because it shouldn't be a thing that we're sitting here talking about like i i'd like to think that we as bills fans are some of the best i'd like to think that and yet, over the course of this this last week, I found out that there's a lot of us who are just jealous and petty people. I mean, Bruce Nolan, I'm going to read his tweet, he hit it on the head. So a player holding out and not playing to try to get more money, he's selfish. And a player opting not to play and getting less money is also selfish. So anytime they don't entertain you, they're being the selfish one. Got it. Great
2: take. Chris. Great take. Hit the nail on the head.
1: Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I, it bothers me that this this somehow exists. Like this dehumanizing aspect of football, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll say a lot of it comes You you saw the tweets that I posted that I'm not going to read because I can roast a ton of people, but I'm not going to. Yeah. What I'll say is this. Don't take your personal situation and project those values onto other people. Stop that. That's how we as a society have gotten into a bad place. Also... If you don't like the fact that an NFL football player can opt out and still get a paycheck, how about this? Stop paying attention to it! You're actually feeding the thing that allows him... Chris, think about it. You could be mad at Trey White for trying to make his decision. Yep. What I'd say to you is, he has a skill set. He has a skill set that... And people go, well, he just plays a game. Okay, okay. But it's a game that makes so much money that his employer can afford to give him options that your employer can't. Why are you mad at him? Especially when you're the one actively feeding his employer. Chris, I want to bite the neck off this bottle and throw it across your kitchen.
2: (laughs) Please don't. I don't own this building.
1: (sighs) Now, I know none of you out there listening to this podcast right now fall into that category, right? I mean, if you do, at me, at Rock Report, and tell me all the ways that you think that I'm wrong. I'm willing to have this debate to you, with you, until the cows come home. Ultimately, I just... Chris, here's what I know. In a time in human history when we need more understanding than probably ever before between people, (laughs) how stupid is it that you have people who are mad at athletes for exercising the options that are given to them by the thing that they support.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if any of these people that tweeted at him are like season ticket holders. Not me. Yeah.
1: Not me. And ultimately, I'm not sh- Chris, ultimately where I land on this is I'm not sure if anyone who'd let their jealousy or own their own pride, their frustration over their own financial situation get in the way of understanding that another person has a choice to make... That's just somebody I don't want to know. Don't want to know you. Chris, ultimately we're happy to have Trey White for the 2020 season. Whatever yes. that may look like. Yes. However that may shake out. And I'm sure there's going to be more said about this. I can't wait for it. And I, I'm i hoping that there's a little more transparency to this offseason process than what we, what I'm preparing myself for. Because I'm expecting to be boxed out as a fan. Are you? I hope not.
2: I don't want to be boxed out.
1: Think about this. Limited Limited news coming out of the training facility. Yep. There's no preseason games, so it's not like we're gonna get any real information on the camp battles.
2: We might when when do they start putting pads on? It's gotta be it's gotta be in time for our shows next week. It's gotta Maybe be soon. Well, that's what we're gonna investigate, folks, and we're gonna
1: bring our news back to you. Just know that I love each and every one of you, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum. And if you feel differently than me, I swear to God, at Rock Pile Report, I'll talk to you. Trolls, people who <laughs> disparage yours. I, listen, I take on all comers. Chris, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, We got to wrap this thing. This has been fun. I'm interested to see where training camp goes now that they're moving on from the interview phase and the warm up phase to actual practices. There's going to be a lot more. Work, there's going to be a lot more news coming. I hope in, in the next few weeks, and we're going to be here to cover all of it. But with that said, we got to get the hell out of here.
2: I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger, and this has been your Rockville Report. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.